It's good to see everyone today. Uh, I'm very thankful to have um, many with us, some here at the building, uh, many from elsewhere. If there's any value to the things that we study today, any, any benefit to your spiritual lives, any encouragement, uh, any power in the words that, that come from this pulpit, it's going to be from God's word. God's word is what has the power. God's word is where we want our focus to be each and every time we come together, each and every day uh, for that matter. We, we just sang about the importance of God's word. We sang about the ancient words that are ever true, that can change us. Yeah, saying the words from Psalm 19, that the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. I, I want us to think for a little bit today about the value of God's word and specifically how we long for God's word, if, if whether or not we crave God's word the way that we need to from day to day. And I want us to focus in this passage here in 1 Peter chapter 2 that Luke just read for us. 1 Peter chapter 2, and you can actually go ahead and mark your Bibles here. We'll be coming back to this often um, throughout our study. But we want to talk about developing a passion, a longing, or an appetite, a hunger for God's word. Here in 1 Peter 2 and verse 2, we're commanded like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. This is a command um, to long for, to crave, to desire the pure milk of God's word. It's not a, a suggestion that, you know, by the way, maybe it would be a good idea for you to long. No, it's a command. We must long for God's word. We must crave God's word. But, but how exactly do we fulfill that command? Because it's not always natural for us to feel a hunger and a thirst for God's word, is it? Think about it this way. If, if I this morning, this afternoon rather, uh, if I this afternoon were to, to tell you, I want you to crave a tall glass of milk. How many of you would be, find it easy to fulfill that command? You know, some of you might say, well, I, I had a pretty big breakfast this morning or brunch or, or lunch, and I, I'm just not that hungry or thirsty right now. Um, in fact, I don't even like milk. Maybe you're lactose intolerant. You know, a command like that might be a little bit difficult for some people to fulfill. Uh, and yet, sometimes I think that's the way we feel about God's word. We're commanded to long for it, but I think, well, but I, but I just don't feel that. Um, I, I may say, well, I'm, I'm just not a big reader. Reading has been something that's always been difficult for me, that I, I don't enjoy reading. Um, and every time I sit down with my Bible, it's just, it's confusing. I don't always feel like I get a whole lot out of it. Uh, and so it's just hard for me to really long for God's word in that way. Um, but brethren, regardless of how we feel about it, the command still stands. We are commanded to, I believe, develop a hunger and a thirst, an appetite for God's word. So I want, what I want us to think about today is how do we develop that appetite? How do we cultivate that hunger for God's word? How can we fulfill this command to long 
for the pure milk of the word. And I want us to look at this passage here in 1 Peter 2 and talk about three ways that I think we can see from this text, in fact, that we can develop that type of passion, that type of hunger for God's word. First of all, starting in verse 1, I think we see the idea of us saving our appetite. Notice how he prefaces this command. He says in chapter 2 of 1 Peter, in verse 1, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow into salvation. Um, And so here, first, before he gives us this command to long for something, he first tells us what we need to clear out of our lives. That we need to eliminate the spiritual junk food. We need to stop feasting ourselves and and, um, developing this appetite for things that are going to draw us away from God rather than toward him. We need to put aside the worldly lust and desires that may pull at our hearts. Uh, And I think that's the the concept found throughout scripture. In fact, you you think about the parable of the sower. Uh, Before that seed is going to have a place where it can thrive and it can grow, what do you first have to do? Well, you have to take out the rocks from the stony ground. You have to take out the, the thorns and the weeds from that thorny ground if God's word is going to have a place to grow. And so if we want to develop this appetite for God's word, there's some things that we're going to have to remove first. You see this in Galatians 5, verse 16 through 24, when you talk about bearing the fruits of the spirit. If we want to bear the fruits of the spirit, what do we first have to do? First thing that he talks about is getting rid of the deeds of the flesh. If we have the deeds of the flesh going on in our life, we're indulging our flesh in those things, acting by fleshly impulses from day to day. We're not going to have room in our hearts and in our lives for a genuine longing for God's word, for the fruit of the spirit. And Ephesians chapter four, verse 22 through 24, we read about putting on the new man, but you know what you have to do before you can put on the new man? You first have to put off the old man so that we have room then for the new man to live and to grow. In 2 Timothy chapter two and verse 22, Paul instructs Timothy there to pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call upon the Lord from a pure heart. Um, But do you know what he says before pursue? He first says, flee youthful lusts. If we want to be pursuing God, there are some things that we're going to have to stop pursuing. There are some things that, in fact, we're going to have to run away from in our lives. And so, so often, I don't have that type of hunger, that type of thirst for God's word that I need to because I have been feeding another appetite. I've been feeding a fleshly appetite. And if I am uh, addicted, if I have trained my my impulses, my my, uh, appetite to long for uh, fleshly, lustful, sinful things, then certainly God's word is not going to be very stimulating to me. God's word isn't going to be something that's very attractive to me. But the Bible tells us that God's word can fill us up like nothing else can. You, you may think on, on a fleshly level, well, but I really don't want to give these things up. But the, these things fill me up. These things satisfy. Do I really want to save my appetite for God's word? Uh, well, I think what we see in the scriptures is that God's word is able to fulfill our spirits, not just our flesh. Anything that we try to fill our flesh with is just going to leave us empty in the end. It's quickly passing pleasures of sin. 
But filling our spirits, it's going to give us a fulfillment that is deeper, more meaningful, longer lasting than anything we've experienced before. If you want to turn for a moment over to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55, God gives his people an invitation to a feast. We kind of talked about that idea today in Matthew 22 with the the parable of the wedding feast. Well, you see a similar invitation here. In Isaiah 55, starting in verse 1, God says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? and your labor uh, for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Here, God's invitation to these people is to come to my feast. Come come to this fountain of of water, buy without money, milk and and bread and wine, And yet, he says that his people were spending money for that which is not bread, that which does not satisfy. Does that describe us? So many times we expend ourselves and and we use all of our our energy and our attention on things that aren't going to fill us up. And we we pay the the price for that, of, of pursuing sin in our lives, and yet in the end, it leaves us empty. And yet God is telling us, by my grace, I am giving you something that's going to fill you up. And we see this idea in the New Testament. Jesus in John 6, 35 says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. If you're in Isaiah, turn, turn just a book over to Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 13 Notice what God says of his people here. Jeremiah 2 and verse 13, he says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Here, God describes himself as the fountain of living water, something that will never run dry. And yet, his people had neglected him and instead had chosen cisterns, something that has a limited capacity. And not only that, they're broken cisterns that can't even fulfill what they're intended to do. They, they can't even hold water. That broken cistern is our flesh. Is any fleshly pursuit that we pursue, it's going to leave us empty in the end. And we expend ourselves trying to fill up that cistern, keep, try to pour water in it, try, try to get this fulfillment from our lusts. And it's just going to leak out the other side. And yet God is standing there saying, I'm the fountain of living water. I'm never going to run dry. I'm going to fulfill your spirits in a deeper, more meaningful way. I'm going to give you purpose and value and hope. And yet are we like the Israelites here, choosing our broken cistern over God, the fountain of living waters? Jesus says in John 4, 13, 14, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Brethren, Jesus will never leave us empty. And so it is well worth saving our appetite for what God can provide. Uh, You know, we we talk with our kids about not not ruining their supper. Um, Well, we, we need to take that principle when it comes to God's word. 
Um, maybe we aren't hungry and thirsty for God's word because we've been filling ourselves on things that do not truly satisfy. But we also see that even the legitimate enjoyments and blessings of this life must not get in the way of our devotion to God and his word. Um, we talked recently about the concept of fasting. We see Jesus uh, really talking about that concept in Matthew chapter 4. After he's fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and the devil comes and tempts him to turn these stones into bread. Do you remember what he says there? He quotes from Deuteronomy saying, Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Sometimes it's not sinful lusts uh, that are ruining our appetite. Sometimes it's, it's legitimate fulfillments of the flesh. Uh, that, that aren't sinful, aren't wrong, maybe wholesome within themselves. And yet when they take priority, maybe we need to learn this lesson of fasting and remember what's truly most important. Not even the bread that I put on the table, but God and his word and my relationship with him is what truly is most important. I, I think a challenging question for us to consider in this regard is, is what, what is your go-to? Um, if, if you are going through a time of, of stress, you're overwhelmed, there are difficult situations in your life, what, what's, what's your go-to? Uh, maybe you're discouraged or you're down, you're feeling lonely. What, what, what are you going to go to in that time? Or, or maybe you're just bored and you have free time. Um, are you going to go to maybe some sinful lust? Drugs, alcohol, pornography, or, or maybe you'll go to social media and, and video games and, and Netflix to, to fill you up. Uh, maybe it's the, the news or sports. Maybe, maybe it's food. Maybe you, you need to, to go have your, uh, you know, your dessert fix, your, your sugar fix, whatever it is. Well, brethren, God needs to be our go-to. And when we, day after day, when I find myself in one of those situations, when I find myself stressed and overwhelmed, when I find myself discouraged and down, find myself going to something else, I am reinforcing an appetite for something other than God. I need to make God my go-to. I need to make sure that there is nothing, even legitimate things, that are ruining my appetite for the Lord. And so let's cultivate a new appetite. Let's reinforce a new appetite for God in his word uh, by clearing out these things that don't truly fulfill. But secondly, if we go back to 1 Peter chapter 2, and in verse 2, after he talks about uh, clearing out these other things from our lives in verse 1, he then says in verse 2, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up in salvation. And so, secondly, we need to strive for growth. If spiritual growth is a priority in our lives, then God's word is going to be a priority in our lives. If we value spiritual growth the way that we need to, then we're going to value God's word. God's word is our only source of spiritual growth. It is the seed. Uh, it is the milk that's going to help us grow. Uh, here in 1 Peter at the end of chapter 1, he had talked about us being born again there in verse 23, 1 Peter 1 and verse 23, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. So there's one sense in which God's word is the seed. And in this context, we're talking about the genetic information, the genetic material that is giving birth to that 
uh, child. But not only is God's word the, the seed that gives us life, here in chapter 2, as we continue this idea, it is the milk that continues to nourish us. Think about that illustration for a little bit of a newborn baby longing for milk. A newborn child needs milk every three or four hours. Uh, and very quickly after that time, they're going to start crying out for that milk. Does that describe us and our dependence on God's word? That's what Peter uses to describe our, what our attitude towards God's word needs to be. Well, what, what if you took that little child and you deprived it of milk for 24 hours? What if you deprived it of its milk for 48 hours, for two or three days? What, what about a week? By, by the end of a week, most newborn children not having any nourishment would likely have, have passed away or be on the, the brink of death. And yet sometimes we think that spiritually we, we can, you know, go 24 hours, we, we can go 48 hours, we, we can go a full week and not get the nourishment from God's word that we need. Well, the way that God's word, the way that the scripture describes it to us is we need to have a, a more in tune hunger for the spiritual nourishment than we do for the physical nourishment. Um, do we view God's word and its importance in our lives in that way? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 tells us that all scripture is inspired by God, profitable for teaching, for correction, for rebuke, for instruction and in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Brethren, there is no secret how spiritual growth happens. God makes it very clear to us. If we want to grow spiritually, if we want to be fully equipped for every good work, this is what you need. I, I'm afraid that, that sometimes we, um, you know, we, we might use the excuse that, well, I, I just don't know enough yet. Maybe I have an opportunity to, to teach my neighbor. Maybe I have an opportunity to teach a Bible class. Um, and, and I said, well, I... I I just don't know that I'm qualified to do that. I, I don't know enough uh, to do that yet. Okay, that, that may be true for a time. But if I keep making that excuse next year and the year after and 10 years from now, then there's a problem. Because God told me exactly what I need to do to be equipped to do his work, uh, to teach my neighbors, to, to be in a positive influence on those around me. Um, and so I need to make sure that I am using what God has given me to equip and to grow. Uh, and we need that nourishment on a daily basis. Look, look for a moment over in Psalm 1. Psalm 1 describes to us this man who spiritually is described as a tree planted by the waters. Starting in verse 1, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. This is the man who is saving his appetite for God's word. He, he's not indulging um, those sinful lusts in his life. Verse 2, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. 
Do we want that to describe us spiritually? Um, I think all of us want to bear fruit for the Lord. We, we want to be that tree planted by the waters, firmly rooted in our faith. Um, I, I don't think any of us, if we ask the question, well, how strong of a Christian do you want to be? I don't think any of us would say, well, I, I, I want to be a mediocre Christian. That, that's really what I'm going for, half-hearted. Uh, no, all of us would say, well, no, I want to be a strong Christian. I, I want to be the, the best servant that I can be for the Lord. And yet, brethren, it's no secret how this man got to be a tree planted by the waters. There in verse 2, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Constant nourishment from God's word is what is going to help us be this type of of spiritual picture of of fruit-bearing for the Lord. Uh, Joshua 1 and verse 8, Moses spoke to Joshua saying, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. How are we going to prosper in our service to the Lord? By meditating on God's word day and night. Um, Don't be deceived. We, we cannot be who we need to be spiritually just by feeding on God's word one day a week. We can't be who we need to be spiritually just by letting somebody else digest God's word for me. You, you know, a, a, a baby bird uh, has to have somebody else digest their food for them, right? And the mother takes that food and chews it up and, and spits it out in, into the, the little baby bird's mouth. Uh, at, at a certain age of spiritual growth, maybe that does describe us. Maybe we need somebody to help us digest God's word. But if we're going to grow, we need to get to a point where we are digesting God's word for ourselves. And we are spending time day in, day out, being fed directly from God. What a blessing that we have that opportunity. And God's word provides us a feast that can never be exhausted. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, here we see this idea that there comes a time where we need to be teachers in some capacity. We need to be able to communicate God's word to other people. He says here in Hebrews 5, starting verse 12, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Here we saw in 1 Peter 2, there's a time where it's legitimate that that we need milk. uh, And that that's what we should be longing for, that that we can grow. But here Hebrews tells us there comes a time where we can't just be on what is called here the milk of the word. But we need to progress and to mature and to grow to the meat, to solid food. Well, God's word provides us all of that. Uh, it describes, it um, provides us with a, a bountiful feast. And how foolish we are if we aren't taking advantage of that. Um, I, I'm going to pick for a moment on uh, Eric Strickland. And I, I hope he's okay with me picking on him. Um, and, and this is just a physical illustration. This is not a description of Eric spiritually. Um, 
but Eric Strickland is one of the pickiest eaters that I know, and I, I think he kind of wears that as a, a badge of honor. Um, but very often, um, Eric will say, well, I, I don't eat that. Uh, he, he was talking about go, going, um, traveling to uh, Europe, and I was saying, well, Eric, how are you going to survive? They, you know they eat different things over there. He said, well, I'm just going to, um, you know, they, they have vending machines over there. Uh, and so that's, that's what I'll live off of. When it comes to spiritual food, don't be Eric Strickland. <laughs> when it comes to spiritual food, we need to be adventurous eaters. When it comes to spiritual food, we need not just to be satisfied, well, well, this is what I know, and this is what I'm comfortable with, and this is what I'm familiar with. God provided us 66 books in the Bible for our nourishment. And sometimes I think we, we think, well, you know, the, the Gospels and, and Acts and, uh, you know, things that I'm more comfortable with and I'm familiar with, we'll, we'll study that. We, we need everything. Every part of Scripture is in there for a reason. And we, we need to get excited about being adventurous eaters. We, we need to be excited about exploring all of the food that God has provided for us, um, that we can receive the full, well-rounded nourishment of, of every aspect. Psalm 119, in verse 96, the psalmist says, I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. Basically saying God's word breaks the limits of perfection. It covers absolutely everything man needs in his spiritual diet. In, in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, uh, Peter says his divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Now, certainly there are many questions that we might have that God's word doesn't answer. But brethren, every question that has any value to our spiritual lives, God's word has answered. Everything that pertains to life and godliness, everything that we need to know to be who God wants us to be, he's given us the nourishment that we need. It's been said before, no one ever graduates from Bible study until he meets the author face to face. Let's, let's continue to grow each day uh, in taking advantage of this feast that God has provided for us um, and get excited about all that he has set on the table before us. But if you look back in 1 Peter chapter 2, once again, we also see that we can develop this appetite for God's word by savoring its message. There in verse 3, after it talks about longing for the pure milk of the word, he says in verse 3, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. What, what does it mean to, to taste that the Lord is good? We see this the same phrase in Psalm 34 in verse 8, um, where it says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. When you think about the, the sense of taste, here we're, we're not just observing from a distance. We're not even just touching it. The idea of tasting is we, we are ingesting it. We, we are digesting it. We are experiencing it on the, the fullest level possible. And if we taste God's word, if we digest it, and we come to appreciate its goodness, how much more are we going to desire that? You, you think about this idea of an acquired taste. We, we understand that on a physical level. Uh, Aaron and I, j just over the past few years, have started drinking uh, seltzer water, uh, or, or what we just call fizzy water. Some might know LaCroix or, or bubbly. Um, but at first, Aaron didn't really like them. 
and, and I was the one who kind of uh, opted for, for getting those. But, but over time, uh, she started mixing it with some juice and drinking it, and now she's acquired a taste to the point where she enjoys just drinking it by itself. Uh, you might think about that in coffee drinkers. Um, people talk about how coffee is an acquired taste. Many times somebody who's never drunk coffee before and sips it for the first time thinks, this is disgusting, how could anybody ever like this? But over time, you develop an appreciation for that taste. Um, and I think it, it is the same with God's word. Um, you know, the first time you sit down and try to read God's word, it, it may be that that isn't very appetizing to you, that, that you're not used to that. Uh, but the more that you feed upon it, the more that you digest it and see its value, experience its value, see God's goodness within his word and the wisdom that it provides, the more that we're going to value that. We're going to develop the attitude of, of David in Psalm 19, verse 10, that we sang about today, that views God's word as sweeter than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. And God's word should be uh, the best habit-forming substance possible. We, you know, so many times we, we feed these appetites for other things and we develop addictions to other things. We, we need to develop a scripture dependence, a scripture uh, addiction, if you will. Uh, in fact, in Psalm 119, if you want to turn over there, Psalm 119 is, is the longest uh, psalm, the longest chapter in our, our Bibles. And do you know what Psalm 119 is about? The longest chapter in the Bible is about the value of God's word. Uh, in fact, out of its 176 verses, 174 of them contain some synonym for God's word, whether it be his word, his law, his commandments, his testimonies, his ways, his statutes, his precepts, his judgments. Uh, the ESV sometimes is going to translate word, his promises. Um, but notice here in Psalm 119 and verse 81 and 82, notice how the psalmist views God's word. Starting in verse 81, he says, My soul longs for your salvation. I hope in your word. My eyes long for your word. I ask, when will you comfort me? Look later on in verse 145. 145, he says, With my whole heart I cry, answer me, O Lord. I will keep your statutes. I call to you, save me, that I may observe your testimonies. I rise before the dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. My eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I may meditate on your words. Do you see his description of how he's longing for God's word? It sounds like he has a scripture dependence. That he is waking up in the middle of the night and saying, I, I want more of God's word. He, he's staying up late in the night. He's getting up in the morning saying, I, I need more of God's word. We, we need to develop that type of appetite, that type of habit in our lives. That as we said before, God's word is our go-to. When I have some free time, instead of you know, desiring to go surf uh, you know, social media, instead of desiring this or that, I, I think, hey, I have some spare time. I want to go spend some time feeding on God's word. Um, but that's a habit that has to be developed. Uh, and yet, the more that we taste it, the more that we see its value, the more that we've seen its benefit in our lives, the more we will long for it. And part of that is allowing it to overflow in our words and our deeds. The more that we see 
it um, manifesting itself in our lives, um, the more we'll see its value. Our goal in Bible study is not just to amass biblical knowledge. It's not just to be really good at Bible trivia. Um, our goal is to equip ourselves for every good work, as we talked about before in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And so we, we need to see the value of God's word in that way. Colossians 3 and verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Um, when we allow God's word to richly dwell within us, it's going to overflow in teaching and admonishing, not only in our songs, but in other ways. Um, Hebrews chapter 5 that we read earlier in verse 14 says that spiritual maturity comes uh, to those who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. These are people who are seeing its effect in their lives from day to day, making application in their lives. James 1 talks about viewing God's word as a mirror. Um, when we start using God's word in that way, every time we, we look into God's word, we're looking at ourselves, looking at our own lives and what we need to change, how we need to grow, when we're looking at God's word with a definite purpose, it's going to develop a deeper value in our lives. We, we may think sometime, well, I, I just, I, I don't have time for God's word. I, I, I just have all these other things going on. I just don't have much time to spend in God's word. Well, can, can you imagine us saying that about some other things? Um, you know, well, I, I just don't have time to, to eat. I, I just don't have time to go to the grocery store. I just have too many other things going on. Or I, I don't have time to work. I don't have time to take a shower. Um, you know, there's just too many other important things that I need to do. Especially in what we're going through right now, uh, our, our society has encouraged us to go down to the bare essentials, right? Um, that only life-sustaining things are, are what we're going to allow ourselves to, to go out for. Um, one thing that I want us to be careful about, uh, and however we handle this situation, is that we don't start viewing our time spent in worship, our time spent with the Lord, as a non-essential thing. Brethren, this is the most essential thing in our lives, is spending time with the Lord. And if I have extra time because of this situation, Praise God, let's use it for him. Let's use it for doing what truly matters. Um, if I have time for anything else in this life, I should have time for hearing what God Almighty has to say to me. And so, do you have a passion for God's word? Have you developed a, a scripture dependence? If not... That's a command that we can and we must be working on. Um, if you don't feel that craving for God's word right now, there's some things you can do. You can start clearing out the spiritual junk food in your life. Stop ruining your appetite on things of this life. You can prioritize spiritual growth and recognize how essential God's word is in that way. And as you begin feeding upon it and you see its value coming forth in your life, making application from day to day, all the more you're going to have this greater um, desire to, to continue to seek God's working in your life through his word. What about you today? There, there may be some who have not allowed God's word to penetrate their hearts. 
today, if, if the seed of God's word has been sowed upon your heart, let it in. Let it do its work. If there's some change that you need to make, if you've never committed your life to the Lord, if you need to, to surrender your life to him by burying the old man of sin in baptism, being raised to walk in newness of life, um, then, then let's do that. And if there's anybody um, listening from elsewhere, anybody here who we can help in some way uh, in their service to the Lord, please reach out. Please let us know. Um, let's not leave this, this call today. Let's not leave this, this building today um, without being uh, in the right relationship with the Lord, without seeking him the way that we need to.